Are you sitting in a space where you are struggling with anxiety? Do you feel like a prisoner to the cycles of depression? Do you feel stuck in your own life and feel frustrated and lost, but yet you know there is so much more on the other side of this mental breakdown? I want to hold your hand through this therapeutic life healing journey. I will help you navigate emotional healing, spiritual growth, and taking massive action so you can align your mind, body, and spirit to completely transforming your life. You are worthy of the life of your dreams, of stepping into your power and experiencing your breakdown as your breakthrough. Hey, I'm Adi. I'm your therapist, your coach, your mentor. Join me as we heal your life together. All right, friends. So today I have a special guest for you on episode 10. It's a dear friend of mine and a colleague from the University of Southern California, where we both studied our master's program in social work and she is now a mom of two a a woman who is um, doing amazing things in the world a wife a daughter a friend and so many things and is also a licensed therapist so without further ado i just want to introduce my dear friend cynthia and have her introduce herself and what she does hi cynthia Hi, Dee. Thanks so much. Love that intro. It was so nice. <laughs> well, yeah, like you said, I am a, a wife. Been married for five five years this year. Mother of two. I have an almost four year old, and I have a one year old who's turning. Well, he's actually turning one tomorrow. So we are now getting ready to celebrate his birthday here at home with all four of us together. I also got my bachelor's at UCI and my master's at USC, like you just shared. And I've been a licensed clinical social worker for, wow, it's been at least five, six years now. And I also got my PPS credential, so also being able to do mental health work in the school setting. Amazing. So, so glad to have you here. And I know you and I touched base a bit on Instagram and you reached out to me around the topic of like grief and what it means right now in this state of the world that we're in. And that's such a topic that's like close to my heart and part of my why in showing up in all the things in mental health and this podcast. So I would love to ask you like, what about grief and that's going to be our topic today in this pandemic was important for you and and how does that weave into a personal and professional uh, way that you are showing up in the world and wanting to talk about it you know when I reached out to you just noticing so much of what was happening in the world right now due to the coronavirus and realizing that right now as a society we're grieving And that was something that, you know, Brene Brown and David Kessler recently talked about was, you know, as a society, as a whole, we're experiencing so many different levels of grief and loss. You know, we are dealing with the loss of what we thought was a normal society. I mean, quote unquote normal. And what we were used to seeing each other socializing, you know, hugs as a culture being Hispanic, you know, we greet each other with a hug and a kiss. And now we're dealing with, I can't even see my parents right now. I can't see my brother. 
my husband, you know, same thing with him. My daughter can't see her aunts, her uncles, who she's so close with. We're dealing with job losses. We're dealing with not being able to interact with whether it's, you know, mom's groups, church, you know, church services, different things that we have lost right now. And individually, I think we're grieving, but also as a whole, I think we're grieving a lot right now. I love that you really, when we talked about it, you didn't try to fix it. You didn't try to change it. You didn't try to invalidate grief. It was this, was just a beautiful way of like what resonates for me and maybe so many other people right now listening that we don't need advice right now about grief. We just need to have space for it to exist and say, this isn't normal, like quote unquote, like you said, like this isn't, we're adjusting to a new normal. And there's so many ways that this is affecting people at an individual level, at a community level, at a family level, at a cultural level. And and how are you managing through this with your kids, with your family? How are you just kind of conceptualizing what it's like to have these experiences like not being able to hug your parents and coming from that from a background and like that's what you do in your culture same here and so I can that resonates so much and I imagine for so many other people like how are you coping and managing and moving through your grief knowing that it's nothing that anyone can like fix or change and part of it is honestly taking it day by day I think so much of it is We have expectations of how we think we should be dealing with it or how we should be dealing with a loss or what others should be doing. And reality, it's more of how I'm dealing with it is just taking it day by day. There are some days that it's easy and, you know, we push through the day and we are okay. You know, we're okay and we're happy. And then there's days where, it's really tough. And I'm dealing with myself personally with two little kids that are also struggling, you know, being confined at home or being confined to a specific area. And so there's days that are that they are harder. And there's days where I will cry. And there's days that I just experience so many different emotions. And part of what I've tried to do with myself and in talking with other people is just trying to be just extend grace to yourself at this point because we are adjusting we're dealing with so many different transitions we have working parents that are now being asked to work from home and also teach their children at the same time we have teachers that are so used to being in a classroom, and now we're telling them, no, you need to be in front of a computer to teach, and taking it just day by day at this point. And being a therapist and having a mental health background, how do you conceptualize and define grief? So I think the important part is to understand Grief and loss is really what your emotional response is to something that you've lost that's really important. And, you know, we talk about some of the losses that people have gone through, you know, loss of a job, place of worship, 
socialization, physical touch, and some people have also dealt with death. And so part of the process is trying to understand and I guess identify what the emotion you're feeling at whatever given time. So like I mentioned before, there are days that I'm happy. There's days that I'm in denial. There's days that I'm sad. I've talked to loved ones that they're saying, you know what, I'm really angry right now. I'm angry with what's happening, what happened. A lot of people don't agree with certain things. And so I think so many people are going through different emotional stages. And those are exactly the stages of grief and loss. If we think back of what we learned, you know, in school and all these different things, you know, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross talked about the stages of grief and loss. She talked about denial, anger. We go through a stage of bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And so sometimes we think about these things, if you ever seen a graph of the stages, is there's a certain order that you think you're supposed to go through. So you probably start as, okay, well, I'm in denial, I can't accept it, it's, you know, not really there, and then you move on to anger, and then you're supposed to move on to a different stage, and reality is it's not like that at all. Like I said, you know, today was a good day. Tomorrow, I would hope that it's a good day, but I might just go back to I'm angry about something that either happened, I'm angry about what's going on, and then the following day, I might be sad. There's no specific order on how you're supposed to deal with grief and loss and what emotions you're supposed to feel at a specific time. Grief is not linear. It doesn't have this predictability. It doesn't have a recipe. It doesn't have a rule book ever. And then on top of it right now, you have a global pandemic on top of, and it makes it just so much more complex and complicated grief and there's anticipatory grief that we keep hearing about too what has been your understanding of like this like sixth stage or like this anticipatory grief you know we talked about the initial five stages that elizabeth kubler ross started with and then a gentleman by the day name of david kessler actually started the sixth stage and he talks about this place of finding meaning and after we deal with these emotions what is the meaning of all of this and what we're going through you know we talk about anticipatory grief and again these expectations that we place upon ourselves and also what we are anticipating what is going to possibly happen and so I think part of that fear and I can even speak on for myself is there's a fear of death right now. And we're anticipating that if we get sick, what is going to happen? And we start to anticipate the worst possible scenario. And I'm guilty of it. And so with dealing with anticipatory grief, you're going to start to also feel anxiety, maybe some depression. Anger. I mean, you're going to keep going through all these different stages. And that's kind of what happens along the way is you're just fearful of the what if. Yeah, Cynthia, so much of what we even talked about 
too in our conversation before recording was normalizing that. And what you said beautifully earlier was like, literally all you can do is give yourself grace. And this episode is just kind of giving some language, some foundation and normalizing this process of grief and this sixth stage that, you know, at some level, everyone may be touched by it. This fear of like looming death of either what will happen if I catch it, what will happen if my loved one catches it. And so this fear is not irrational and this anticipatory grief is not irrational and the meaning will follow at some point and at some time, but it's not right now and that's okay. And this validating of there isn't a right way to be right now. And so like you said, there isn't a right way to be right now. And I think it's also important to remember that there isn't also a right way for others to be because we're talking about ourselves, normalizing it for ourselves, being able to validate our emotions, accepting where we're at. And at the same time, being able to do that with others because we're not all going to be in that same stage as this progresses. And being able to be patient, I think, with others wherever they're at in this process as well and not start to do what we also call comparative suffering where, you know, well, my suffering is worse than yours because, you know, I lost a job and you didn't. Or I think I can say sometimes as parents, myself with my four-year-old, I know she is sad because she isn't able to go to school. She's not able to be with her friends. She's not able to see her aunt and uncle. And I can sit here and say, you know what, baby, what you're going through is nothing because you know what, mommy and daddy are trying to figure out how we're going to pay the bills this month. Or, you know, we just got news that somebody in our family passed away. But we have to understand that that what she is feeling right now is probably the worst suffering that she's gone through in her four years of life compared to what we're dealing with and being able to be compassionate with her and understanding that this is a loss for her as well. The same thing for, you know, we have high school graduate students that, you know, unfortunately they won't be able to do their promotion this year. We have seniors that have lost scholarships and, I know sometimes, you know, as parents, we're concerned about other things and we can't understand where they're at and trying to avoid doing that comparison or even trying to shame people for what they're feeling at the same time. Yeah, I love the way that you just broke that down. It's so important to give permission to ourselves to feel whatever we need to feel and not feel shame over that and give ourselves grace and give permission for others to also be in their process in this time it's a it's literally a global grief that we're experiencing and again there is no right way to do this there's no recipe there is no rule book and it's so unique it's so individual and the best thing that we can do is just say, I see you. I see you're in pain. And that is it. Like, it doesn't need to be anything more complicated 
than that in the sense of like, we can't fix it. We can't, it is what it is. Like, I see you, I see you're in pain. I see you. And I think the other part that is important to, I guess, recognize is even when we talk about the sixth stage of finding meaning, even as we enter into that stage or we move towards that stage, just because we find meaning, it doesn't mean that we take away pain. The pain is still there. It's almost, I can relate it to, you know, when I lost my grandfather, it was what am I supposed to feel during this process? What am I supposed to learn from this process? It never took away the pain that I lost my grandfather, but how do I move forward from that? And I guess in some extent for me, it was to honor him, but I still am sad when I think about him. It's the same thing during this process you know, you just trying to find that meaning while we are still in a state of grief right now. Mm-hmm. Right. And a state of unknowns and yes. uncertainty and crisis that people are in crisis right now. It's just so different for each person. And so that sixth stage of trying to make meaning is a way to move forward for the brain. It needs some level of like hope. And that's what I hear in this too. It's this coexistence of all the things. Like you can have hope and you can have sheer panic and fear in the same breath. Absolutely. I can't disagree with that. I think that's kind of what everybody's experiencing at this point is it, it is a combination of both where we're fearful about what can happen and yet At the same time, we are holding on to hope that this is going to get better, that they're going to find some sort of a cure, that it's not going to hit our family. I will potentially get my job back. I'll be able to go back to my place of worship. I'll be able to hug my loved ones. You know, there's so much hope that we're still holding on to. And that's kind of what keeps us going. You know, we can't, as humans, live in a state of fear 24 7 our body's not designed to do that that piece of hope like you said is that relief that gives our body a time to rest to hold on to something that makes us move on to the next day to move forward to to help our loved ones to help others as well like you had said earlier and it doesn't make that less sad or less scary or less anything and not to invalidate it but it you can have hope and and mourn and grieve and still hold that hope at the same time. Like when you lost your grandfather, it's the the sense like your your mind, your spirit needs a sense of like meaning at some point or hope at some point. And we talked about this in grad school a lot. One of our courses, she talked about pockets of meaning and like you have to have pockets of meaning Otherwise, like it is a very dark, scary place to be. And so it's, it makes sense that sometimes we are in that fear state and then we maybe, you know, the next day or the next week or whatever, we come back and return to hope or gratitude. And we vacillate between those two. That's been my conversation with most people right now. It's they vacillate between those two thoughts and those two extreme polarizing feelings fear and then hope and fear and 
And it makes sense in this time to have both coexist and do this like dance. And that's kind of, you know, when we work with individuals and even right now, you know, so many people are going to be experiencing sadness and that might even translate into major depression. I mean, we don't know, you know, what extent people are dealing with in terms of their sadness, but we always ask people, you know, what keeps you going? You know, what is that thing that keeps you going to the next day? And that can mean for somebody, you know, my family. That could mean, you know, my my parents need me. They need me to help them with their groceries. For me, it's my kids need me. My husband needs me. It's what is that thing that's just going to keep you going one more day and one more day and one more day? Mm-hmm. Cynthia, what would you say for someone who might be listening right now and is like resonating with some or all of what we're talking about and is struggling in like their mental health, whatever that means for them, what can they take from this? I think what the first one would be, or the, you know, the most important for me, I would say is that it's okay. Whatever you are feeling, whatever you are going through emotionally, it's okay. You touched on it earlier and you said, we have not experienced anything like this before. I don't even think my grandparents have experienced anything like this before. We're not used to this. And so whatever you are feeling at this moment, it's okay. And I think being able to recognize that first step and understanding that whatever emotion you are feeling at this moment is okay and is normal. We're not expecting people to wake up tomorrow and pretend like nothing is happening. Being able to recognize that, and that was one of the things that we talked about, is that in us coming together, it wasn't for us to sit here and say, hey, this is what you need to do to feel okay. It's just more of we need to recognize what we're going through, and we need to just acknowledge it at this point. Mm -hmm. Because the more we try to try to find solutions, to it, we're probably just going to keep getting frustrated with ourselves that we don't have them at this point. Oh my God, I love that so much. And that's what I think really brought us together and united and like, we all need this and that's okay, right? And it's it's okay that we feel whatever we feel and without feeling bad if we didn't, you know, do our workout plan or we didn't meditate today or we feel anxiety or we we feel scared or we break down and cry or we feel angry like whatever it is for so many different people it's a different experience and like your experience is valid and you are seen we all want to be seen like i see you and i want you to see me and that is like the basis of like human existence it's like can you see me Will you see me? Do you see me? And I will do the same with you. And that's where we are just connected in like that human spirit. And like, this is what it's okay. However you are feeling. I love that you like really coined that. You know, the other part is not just yourself also, but what others are feeling, what your loved ones are feeling, what 
like I talked about, you know, what my husband is going through and his emotions and what my daughter is going through, being able to also recognize it in them and being patient with them and also extend grace to them because the reality is we're all feeling all different emotions and some of us might not respond how we would normally respond and being able to be patient with them as well and understanding Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely I'm so appreciative of your time and sharing in this space together and I'm just so thankful for you and everything that you shared. Thank you. I really appreciate you being open to doing this and being able to reach out to more people and connecting with them in a way that, you know, not a lot of people are doing. And so I really appreciate you doing this and thank you for letting me be um, on your podcast and talking to everyone. Thank you so much, Cynthia. I hope to have you back real soon.